Hello and welcome to the Ryan Kinseth Art Podcast. This is the SoCal Artist and today we're going to be talking about crypto, art, one of my biggest mistakes and some flipping. Thank you. Alright, to get us started, I'm going to be taking us back to February of 2020, where the NFT game really hit the tracks for myself. And while I'm doing that, I should have prepped this before, but so to get us started, um, I found out about the craze and, and honestly, I felt I needed to do an NFT podcast with how I've been getting involved and my background, my experiences to warn and to also promote because I'm excited, but I'm also cautious. And so let's throw it back to February of 2020. This is where I first started seeing Clubhouse and NFTs really take off. I knew about crypto since 2016, 15, Um, where my roommate was investing in Bitcoin and was spending it without realizing where Bitcoin was going to be in five plus years. So I saw crypto. I wasn't interested as much. Um, It wasn't as appealing to me, but NFTs really where my radar got hit with the blockchain. So going back to February of 2020, um, even it might have been as late as January 2020, but uh, some major NFT rooms were happening in Clubhouse where I was really trying to get involved um, with more of the art community, but instead started finding a lot of NFT rooms. And NFT was popping up everywhere. For those of you that are new to this, non-fungible tokens, basically a, a great overview of it is this is a ledger and the blockchain is a ledger and A non-fungible token is representing ownership of something that no one else has in the blockchain. So you have ownership of this token. It represents a piece of art or music or whatever the future may hold. And everyone can see what happened on the blockchain with this token. Who was the original owner? Where did it go? Where did it sell to? Which leads me to why I'm super excited and i'll be getting into this with nfts um, later in this podcast but i want to open it up with what happened in the beginning where it's at now and um where i see it going so to get us started in the beginning um you know it was massive art movement uh this was major major pushing of look at the art look at the art look at the art um here's my uh you know pixelated art here's my cool cat art here's my variation of crypto punk art hash mask art um it was a lot of projects coming out with oh if i have a bunch of little tokens um that represent something different you know i saw planets i saw i saw animals i saw weird weird um you know drawings of uh aliens uh, 
I saw everything come out and it was a bunch of tokens without a business behind it or uh, or an idea of where it was going. It was, I need to create variations of one, th- one thing and send it out to as many people as possible and people would pay massive amounts and then they'd flip, they'd flip, they'd flip and you know, you'd buy the project for 0.1 ETH and it would flip to one ETH and it would the floor would hit one Ethereum, which um, I'm going to assume people that listen to my podcast are more in the beginner or intermediate stage of NFTs. Because if you're in the expert stage, probably not the podcast for you. Honestly, I'm not going to be talking about the ERC uh, 20 or I'm not going to be talking about the different types of um, coins or tokens there are. And, uh, and, where I see the future going, that's definitely more expert level uh, out of my realm. But I do start to touch on uh, the Polygon network for those of you interested. So I'm going to assume beginner to intermediate here. Um, and so to put it this way, uh, a lot of our projects were coming out. And it was great for the art community. Everyone in the art community on Clubhouse was going, oh my God, it's about the art. It's about the art. It's about the art. It's all bullshit. I mean, honestly, do what you want with NFTs. I look at NFTs as I do with my stock portfolio. I'm investing in a person. Not, I'm not sitting there going, oh, it's about the art. It's about the artwork on that token. No, it's about who dropped the token. What, do, what is their plan behind the business movement what value does this token hold what does it represent um i look at it more like stock trading than i really do as what was on that token um although there are projects where i look at that token i went damn that's beautiful art i want to hold this because i like the way this looks um for example my women women and weapons nft that i purchased so let's talk about the different projects I purchased, what's happened with them, what's happened with the ones I observed. Uh, and I'm going to stay in my own space here. If you know, I'm not an expert in this. I just a very observant person and was trying to immerse myself as much as possible in this space because I was excited about where it was going, especially as an artist um, and trying to be cautious about what I do in this space. So to get us started, right when it happened, um, OpenSea and Rarible were two of the marketplaces where everyone was involved in, seemed to be the place to go. Um, And at the time, Nifty Gateway was the curated spot uh, where people would hold gallery drops. You know, it would be music, or not so much musicians at first. It was big time artists, big time um, animators on TV shows. Uh, it was the spot to be in Nifty Gateway, so it was fun to watch from a gallery perspective because when you were on OpenSea and Rarible, it was you're looking at everything. It was like the eBay of um, NFTs, and so everyone's was out there. There wasn't any curation. It was pick the category you want. You can see what the top movers are, but you're in an open field of whoever releases projects release. Uh, releases projects so rarible and OpenSea were the two main ones then it looked um you know nifty gateway was where the big names would drop so at first i started experimenting with rarible um i couldn't figure out the minting process you had to like 
use pinata or find a way to mint. Um, and I was just like, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just mint something so I understand how this works because it's easy to observe, but when you actually go through the process, that's where you start to really learn about what exactly you're doing. So. I took one of my doodles that I made, these little doodle villains, uh, my Bane, my Joker, and my Darth Vader, and I was, you know, this was, I'm not an illustrator, but I had fun with these, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going to mean anything, Um, I'm just going to mint to see what these do, and I did this on Rarible, and I wasn't a big fan of how to do it on Rarible, it's, I think it's Rarible takes a lot of the cost out of minting, because um, it's incentivizing you to use Rarible because you're not paying up front for these costs of minting. They take care of that. But technically, it's not on the blockchain yet until someone purchases it. Um, and so that was, you know, I, I tried it. I uh, minted these three NFTs and was like, okay, cool. But does it show up in OpenSea? And I went to OpenSea where that, that's one of the main marketplaces currently. I go to OpenSea and it's showing my NFTs, but they're kind of like, you know, it shows it in a weird way. Like I can't really sell it on OpenSea because it's through Rarible. It's a Rarible NFT. I was like, okay, well, this is kind of weird. So I'm going to mint on OpenSea. I go ahead. I take one of my paintings that I did, a physical oil painting, and I went, okay, this was one of my first oil paintings. I'm going to... Uh, edit this in Procreate, which I also do digital art alongside my oil painting, and went, okay, I'm going to make variations of this. And at the time, this was February of 2020, so this was was when it was going crazy. Everyone, Everyone was out there. It was a time crunch. It was like, what do you do? What do you do? And so I made different variations of this uh, this oil painting I did, and I said, okay, if anyone purchases the the NFT, then they get uh, a special edition poster of this or a print of this oil painting, the variation they had, and then uh, 10% of the uh, profits will go to um, a woman's uh, uh, charity to um, to help promote women in this space and so I had nine of these 10 listings I was gonna hold on to the original listing um, and I put I put them up there <laughs> to not have any traction which was okay I didn't promote I didn't say anything I was just curious what happens when I meant these do people see it do I need to promote it and at the time you started noticing everyone was doing drop rooms uh, drop party rooms and so I would go into the drop rooms on um, uh, clubhouse and it would be fun. I'd be, you know, I'd be on, um, not on the stage. I'd be in the audience and just listening. And it, a lot of the time, it was a big groups of people that were um, higher up and and uh, were in the in crowd of NFTs. And you know, everyone's saying, "Hey, 10x! This is going to be 10x! Everyone needs to invest 10x!" And that meant, you know, it was gonna it was gonna be 10 times the uh, original listing. Um, very soon because sometimes you know a project would go out for a hundred dollars and you'd flip it for a thousand pretty quickly so it was intriguing a lot of people were hyping up drop rooms and then I um, you know then I actually started seeing 
some people go against drop rooms. They're like, oh, this is this is inflation or this is, uh, um, you know, not organic marketing. This is just, uh, you know, pumping the prices to to get hype around it, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think, you know, maybe the drop parties could have been more about uh, <laughs> what was going to happen with the project, not so much what was going to happen to the price of the project. That'd be like going into an Apple stock boardroom and being like, you know, oh my God, the price of the stock's going to be at this, at this, at this, or instead of talking about what products are being developed for Apple. So this was really interesting. I was excited. It was fun. Um, it was crazy. All my friends were fucking pissed off at me for always talking about NFTs, my family. I was always in clubhouse rooms and I was observing, I was listening. And then I said, you know what? I need to start buying NFTs. So here's where the story gets interesting. So um, first NFT I purchased was some just some little projects on OpenSea. Didn't, didn't mean anything, just a little CryptoKitties because his name was Christian Pulisic. Turns out CryptoKitties can change their name. So that name meant nothing to me, even though he's one of my favorite soccer players. Um, so Christian Pulisic, CryptoKitty. I got a little um, Beeple, not the actual Beeple, but there was a project made about 50 or 100 Beeples uh, and artists were from all over the world drawing their own style of Beeple. And I, I bought one of them. It was like 0.1 Ethereum at the time. And, um, and just little projects on OpenSea. But I made my first big purchase on Nifty Gateway. So throwing it back to, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes ago where I said Nifty was the curation spot. That was the spot. The Binkle Boss twins from the social network are the, the owners behind Nifty Gateway. So um, this project was coming out and I was stoked about it. This girl, Beige, she was a visual artist. Um, she was uh, making pretty much digital visual art on uh on these rooms and they would be really it looked like a camera in a 10 million dollar home that would you know have a sunset come around and um and the room would just kind of have a change in variation and the way the light reflected off of it there was maybe a little infinity pool or you know just some very very unique sculptures and it, she looked like a visual designer and it had a lot of hype around it. I mean, a lot of women in the space were saying, this is going to be my first NFT project. Um, this is going to be my first project I buy. And I was like, I I mean, her things were awesome. I'm down for this to be my big project. So Nifty was taking credit cards at the time. Uh, and so that was, that was different because normally you had to purchase Ethereum and then buy the project. But Nifty accepted credit cards. So... The product, the project, um, I believe it was called Rooms. It was going for. She had a couple of different things you could purchase in that project, but one of them was um, a five hundred dollar open edition of this room called Lavish, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was it was really cool. It was probably the the lowest price one she had in her set, and uh, it was open for I can't remember five or seven minutes, which meant it was an open edition for five or seven minutes. So if the time started at 11 o'clock, you had seven minutes to purchase 
as many of these as you wanted. So you can get as many additions. You can buy 10 of them if you want. You get one, $500 each, but you had to get it in this time frame and then it closed forever. And so I bought one and it, it was crashing. It was crashing every... 30 seconds it would crash i'd click buy crash buy crash everyone was on this project and i was freaking out because this was taking a few minutes to to finally get to the buy page and i finally at the end lucked out i bought I, it went through and i was terrified i've never spent 500 dollars on an nft before it went through and i kind of just sat there and i'm like this just crashed so hard I'm going to buy one more, even though this was not in my original budget. I'm going to buy one more because I have a feeling this is a this is a dope project and moment to be in. And so there was literally less than 30 seconds left, and I was clicking the buy button as quick as possible until it finally let me through. And I got my second. I got two of the lavish from beige uh, at $500. Um, and this was early 2020. <clears throat> and I said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to sell one of these right off the bat because right away they they started uh, flipping really quickly. I mean, they were going on the secondary market because with NFTs, <clears throat> you can purchase things in the secondary market, which is, you know, a previous owner is reselling the, the listing or the NFT. And you can you can get it there by either putting in an auction price or a buy now, depending on how they list it. And so it was flipping really quickly. I mean, you could see all the the analytics, and it was went from five hundred to seven hundred to eight hundred, nine hundred, um, one thousand. Then it was like nine hundred. And at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to flip this one, and I'm going to hold the other one and see what happens to this. Is it is this just a time period where? Anything is skyrocketing in price. I've never spent $500 on an animated GIF of a room before. What the hell is going to happen to this? So I flipped the first one for $900. I believe Nifty took out a, uh, a percentage fee on that. So I flip it instantly for $900. I spent, remember, I spent $500. Um, I believe I kept $720 from after the 10% royalty. Uh, which, by the way, NFTs is changing the game because it's giving original royalties to the uh, the artist or the creator. So I, I flip it for nine hundred. I I I think I uh, realized seven hundred twenty to seven hundred eighty. I can't remember after the fees and the royalties. So I made a profit of two hundred twenty or two hundred eighty dollars on literally doing nothing for one day um 200 something dollars on a flip when holy shit i have another one of these i'm very curious to see what happens over time so i'm not going to sell this um and also it looked cool so it's really cool when you buy a product or a project that looks awesome and you're like i want this in my collection in case you know the metaverse or whatever happens that i display my tokens and i go hey look i got the original lavish from beige um, I mean, that would honestly hold up for me uh, if the timing was right with everything. So so we'll side that project off to the side there and, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit more. So that went successfully <clears throat> and what was happening now was 
you know, a bunch of the Nifty Gateway was releasing projects, but they were very specific on who they were going to let into these projects. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, this guy named, I was looking for the next one. I'm like, okay, let's see what else is out there. And so Steve Ioki ended up releasing a project. And I was in the clubhouse rooms uh, with the drop rooms and just in the audience on all of it. And it was it was cool because I was like, oh, wow, Steve Ioki's there. Um, and, you know, we had like, I think um, Blau, <coughs> I think Jake or Logan Paul showed up. A bunch of people were showing up um, in this drop room. And it was it was all about the prices on this, but it was a $2,500 limited edition of this visual art alongside Steve Aoki music in the background. And I was like, damn, 2,500, that's a shit ton because this is, this is a lot. Um, and I was considering it. I was like, <coughs> okay, sorry, keep coughing. Um, I was considering it. I was like, okay, Steve Aoki has been, you know, someone I've listened to since I was young. Um, this has a lot of hype around it. But 2500 was honestly too much out of my range that I was like, I don't know where this is going to go. And everyone in the room was like, oh, 10x, 10x, 10x. And <clears throat> that was one of the best decisions I ever made because what ended up happening with the Steve Ioki drop was it got way overhyped. It was a limited edition, open edition as well. So anyone could purchase it in that window, uh, just like the the beige, the lavish beige project instantly i mean i said this project i although i'm not buying it i'm going to watch this project and it instantly went from 2500 after this window closed and it was on the secondary market 1900 1700 1500 people were panicking and selling panicking and selling it turned out the project didn't have enough backing behind it to to hold a, any value um, for the long term. There was it was another project that was released by Steve Ioki that because he had one already released um, NFT wise, <coughs> and this was just another project that was out there. And you know it's great because it's Steve Ioki, but what was it? What were these going to represent? And that's where, what we'll get into um, very soon here. But, uh, you know, I watched this price over time. It went from 1500 I It went below 1000 at one point. It just, you know, for any of you that follow stocks, this was like watching Amazon at 3000 go to like, you know, 1900 or something. like. I mean, it was, it was atrocious. <coughs> and, you know, people believed in it. Um, it was interesting and what I realized was open editions was interesting because there wasn't there wasn't a limit on how many people could buy it. Um, although there was that time slot, but for twenty five hundred dollars everyone holds the exact same token. That means the exact same thing. The only difference is the number that you have on that edition, which do come into play with NFTs. <coughs> but it felt it felt like a turning point for how I analyze NFTs and was very eye-opening and I was so thankful I didn't get this project. But 
I wasn't always lucky. So not too far after this artist came along, Rhymes with Dimes, awesome artist. This guy is great. Look at his Instagram. You know, he does a lot of uh, art for Anderson Pac and um, for uh, Young Thug and um, I think Lil Uzi Vert. I can't remember. Um, he, he does a lot of art for artists and their music videos or album covers. He's done art for Apple Music. Awesome artist. Um, I ended up having another project come along that was uh, between Young Thug and Travis Scott. And, you know, granted here, December 7th, 2021, it's different looking back when you're looking back to early 2020 with Travis Scott because Astral World didn't happen. Um, rest in peace to all the people that were affected by that tragedy. Um, so at the time, you know, I was like, oh, you know, Travis Scott, cool. Um, you know, I'm going to get his project over Young Thugs. Although Young Thugs was kind of more visually appealing. For some reason, I went for the more $1,100 project as opposed to the $900 something dollar project that Young Thug, that he had for Young Thug. Even though the Young Thug one to this day looks better. I like it. It was a cool swing. It was cool vibes. And swear to God, the Travis Scott was literally straight out of hell. It was literally a guy standing there like in flames. It was Travis Scott in flames and the White House and his cars like circling the White House and it's it's aggressive as hell. So I made the wrong call. <coughs> Spent $1,100 on this. Long story short, project started tanking. Um, it was interesting to watch. And, and I started realizing, okay, NFTs isn't going to just be the same. You can't just have the same tokens that everyone else has and have nothing else. You just show up at because you're you're big or you know a creator or famous and um, just show up and uh, which I don't believe Rhymes with Dimes was doing. That guy actually uh, is is involved in this space and it's really cool to to see him um, see him work. I you know I just think the open editions were a bit too high priced um, for what they really hold value wise. But <laughs> it wasn't until Gary V's project came along that changed the game with NFTs, V Friends. So when this was released, I believe it was May. I can't remember the exact date, but I knew I was going to get into this project. And so, um, you know, when he was talking about this, he was putting in a different blueprint to how NFTs were being released. And I thought to myself, I am in in one. I mean, I already listen to Gary Vee every day, and you know, uh, read Jab 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 Right Hook, and it's been ten years of just listening to his content, and which has pursued you know pushed me to create content as an artist. I knew, and he was saying, if you've ever, if I've ever given value to you, this is the time to give back. And I was like, you're right, dude. I've listened to your free content for a long ass time and bought one, you know, thirty dollar book. So, V Friends launches. It's hyped. I mean, he's talking about how he's what he did different than all the other NFT uh, NFTs that were released was he said if anyone holds the token to this V Friends, any core or higher token, there's ten thousand tokens or over ten thousand. 
then you have access to VCon, a conference he was throwing for three years in a row. And um, you could go to all three years as long as you held this token. He also said these were all different doodles behind traits that he highly, highly put pushes in his content like empathy, intuition, you know, kindness, um, patience, all these different, uh, all these different traits that everyone should really try to be self-aware about self-awareness. And his doodles, he created a, you know, thousands of uh, doodles of different animals like patient pig, empathy elephant, you know, um, patient panda, um, intuitive iguana, you know. So when this launched, <clears throat> he said he was going to, it's all about the IP, Disney, you know, Star Wars, everything's about intellectual property. Um, he's going to build out the IP on all these characters or, you know, uh, you know some of these characters are going to have um, intellectual property that means something one day. And so he, I, you, this changed the game because not only were you buying an NFT and you had access to this token <coughs> and yours was unique, you could also go to VCon for three years in a row. You were there for his original NFT launch. And, um, and if you have the right character, then it might get built out to this intellectual property and you might be the holder of patient, um, patient pigeon or whatever the pigeon one was, uh, and, uh, have a collab with Jeff Staples who did the Nike pigeon drawings and get, get access to all his merchandise because you held the, the pigeon, um, from V friends. So this was huge. I knew I was in the moment that it happened. I said, fuck yes, I'm, I'm doing this. And it was also a reverse auction bid. So he was trying to, to weed out the whales and the way the reverse auction <coughs> or a Dutch auction goes is it would start from, let's say three Ethereum, which Ethereum now to this day is around 4,000. So that's about $12,000 and it would drop to 0.5 Ethereum over the course of, a, of, I can't remember, 10 hours, 12 hours. <coughs> so someone could pick it up at any point. So it's starting from three Ethereum is going 2.9, 2.98, 2.97, 2.96. It's just going all day and it's dropping. And it, you have a choice to make. Are you going to pick it up when it's higher or you get to wait till it gets to the floor and risk getting it picked up on? So when this project launched, I was excited. I was looking through my computer. I was like, I need to find the right, the right V friend for me. This is going to be amazing. And, um, you know, I, I was looking through all these different options. I had a million tabs open with potentials and it wasn't until I found intuitive iguana at, and it was, you know, I woke up at five, 6 AM <coughs> because the reverse Dutch auction was still going. And I knew I was going to try to get something around the floor price of 0.5 Ethereum, which um, at the time was uh, Ethereum was at its, it actually was at 4,000. Um, so it was, it was pretty high uh, at the time. And then there was a massive drop after, but 
I was like, okay, 0.5 Ethereum's $2,000. I'm going to shoot for something around 0.5. <coughs> well, when I was looking, all the cores were at um, for this day that it was the launch was happening. And I wanted to get it earlier in the launch rather than later because I think my mindset was, okay, the later this gets in the launch because he was doing it in waves, the more likely people are going to pick up that it's getting more and more scarce and they're going to pick it up at a higher price. So... Um, I woke up at 6 a.m. I'm looking through everything and I finally found Intuitive Iguana. Super dope drawing. I was like, okay, is there any first editions out of 20? Looked, found it. I lo- I'm all about intuition. Um, the Iguana looked awesome and I went, it's at point, point, uh, 0.8 Ethereum, which was around 3,600 at the time. <coughs> and it was the only Intuitive Iguana. I mean, they're, all the Intuitive Iguanas were there. And I was like, I need to get the first one. And I went, screw it, and bought it. 0.8 Ethereum, $3,600. Never spent anything on anything that high in this metaverse and or blockchain. And um, it was amazing. I mean, everyone made fun of me for it. It was so funny. And I, I, the best part was I was saying the entire time I'm holding, like I'm going to VCon. And so I wasn't even open to selling. <coughs> Fast forward months and months and prices go from 3600 3, to 5000 to 8000 because Gary Vee's building a brand around the V friends, including it all, all his content, you know, doing collabs with people. Um, massive creators or companies alongside certain V friends. I mean, you could see the way he was building out this intellectual property was insane. And the value of the tokens were holding value to a conference. And so I got this intuitive iguana um, and, you know, I was getting offers for $8,000. I was getting offers. It finally hit (coughs) $10,000. you know, like three Ethereum, four or five Ethereum, were, it started getting into $20,000. This is life-changing. I mean, this this is insane. Like for someone who who is in a place where a couple thousand dollars can make a difference, for someone, $20,000 is in fucking insane. And I, I'm, you know... I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my god! I wasn't planning on selling. I really I love Gary Vee. I, I, you know, the one thing that was making me think about sell was, well, if I have this big of a cushion, I wouldn't mind dropping my job to pursue art full time. And I was thinking about it. But I said, nope, twenty thousand, not enough. Uh, uh-uh, uh, not gonna do it. And you know, I was holding twenty five thousand. There's a time where it went back down. <coughs> I was screenshotting because everyone made fun of me. And so I'd throw it back to them. I'd be like, hey, should I accept? No, no, I shouldn't accept. It was it was hilarious because I was really throwing it back in the pa- faces of my close friends who we were just razzing. But um, the day finally came where the offer was at such a point where I went, I cannot, <coughs> I cannot pass this up. It was nine point something Ethereum, actually wrapped Ethereum. <coughs> and 
that was right around $36,000. And I said, this is, this is, I, I can't not accept this. And the day finally came, I sold and I actually accepted an offer. And by the way, this is the biggest mistake I've ever done in my life. And not because I sold, but because of what happened next. I accepted nine point something wrapped Ethereum on OpenSea, which is normal. Wrapped Ethereum's an ERC twenty token, <coughs> different network, but I guess it's a it's a different blockchain even, um, and it's a way that people transfer tokens diff- through different marketplaces and holds the same value as Ethereum. So whatever Ethereum's at, wrapped Ethereum's at too. Well, I sold and. You know, I went to <coughs> cash out and I sent, I, you know, I was moving quick because I knew it wasn't safe to hold in your MetaMask, which is, which is your wallet. <coughs> so I was moving quick as possible. I'm like, this is a lot of damn money. And I sent it to my Coinbase, but I was looking at my Coinbase. I'm like, there's no wrapped Ethereum in Coinbase which Coinbase is now a publicly traded company, the biggest crypto in uh, crypto um, storage and trading platform to date. And I said, there's no wrapped Ethereum, even though plenty of offers on OpenSea are out of wrapped Ethereum. It's a major token in, in the NFT space. There's nothing to transfer it to into Coinbase. And I mistakenly, like an idiot, said, okay, well, it's Ethereum, so it's the same value as Ethereum, so I'll send it to my Ethereum wallet or portfolio. Well, I sent it, it went through, and it never hit Coinbase. It never hit Coinbase because Coinbase does not support wrapped Ethereum on their platform. And so I sent wrapped Ethereum to my Ethereum wallet, and it never landed because there's no interface for wrapped ethereum and no way for coinbase to send it back because they don't get into private keys and no way for unsupported crypto to be recovered because it it's not something they offer at this point um and you know i've been through a lot of cases and filed a complaint with the cfpb um the bureau for uh, keeping banks and lenders and creditors in check. And there's, you know, nothing Coinbase is willing to do at this moment. And I made the most rookie mistake of not doing my homework on what wrapped Ethereum was and whether or not it was the same as Ethereum and how do transfer wrapped Ethereum to my Coinbase. And that was a $36,000 mistake. Um, you know, one day they might support unsupported crypto and have a way to recover this with a fee and send it back. Um, or it will pop up supposedly when they do support the unsupported cryptos. But um, <coughs> before this becomes mass adopted with everyone in the world, a lot of people make this. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. I'm just trying to make myself feel better. People make this mistake. And um, 
it's a problem that needs to be looked into obviously because if some random person if we're if we're all using crypto in the future and someone's transferring an unsupported crypto to their to their bank essentially and it just goes into limbo and no one can do anything about it i mean that is beyond regulation of <coughs> oh you know it doesn't matter it never happened so before mass adoption we we really do need to see um the same types of regulations go into to Coinbase as as they would a bank, and everyone says, "Oh, well, that's decentralized." Well, wait till something goes wrong in Decentraland. Um, if you <coughs> if you make a mistake with a publicly traded company, um, you think the publicly traded company would have regulations in place to. Um, to reverse this and you know i'm all for decentralization but uh as long as there's no hiccups and the platforms were meant to use from privately or publicly traded companies um, that wouldn't prevent you from making these mistakes that don't need decentralized governments or uh you know um auditors to make sure if you're doing something in crypto that it uh, is going to come out the other side because we don't need the centralized places to to help with that. So if these are fixed, then yes, I see decentralization becoming massive, but <coughs> I don't know why I'm coughing so much. So where do I see NFTs coming in the future? I see NFTs as a place where What's really interesting to me is the general ledger behind NFTs. The fact that you can track where anything's been, who sold it, who was the original owner, where is it now, is massive. I mean, imagine if you sold a car, if if you create, if you made a car, if you're Toyota and you made a car, you sold it to someone, you could see who you sold it to, you could see if they resold the car on a different marketplace, you could see on a... You know, if you resold it through CarMax and then if they, someone at CarMax resold it to Sally on the end of the block and Sally sent it to someone else and you can see where the history of this item has been and what's happened to this item and when it was sold. And by the way, the Toyota in the end makes the 5-10% royalty that was built into the contract from the very beginning on every sale. I just see this as a way to connect physical objects and digital objects in the real world almost as as a SKU or a UPC code um, on an item would track something. I see this as a way to connect that to the digital age of the internet on Web3 because with a general ledger, everything is more transparent now than ever, but it does beg the question of where does privacy become breached? And so I see the biggest hiccups in NFTs in the future is going to be when we do find a way to connect your ruler that's sitting on your desk or pen that's sitting on your desk to the blockchain or the contract or the deed of your house or the title of your car. 
is connected to the blockchain. But now everyone knows where every item has been and will and and who owned it. <coughs> Once there's a way to connect the digital and the physical world, I feel like this is no longer going to be something about art and creativity. It will become a regular regular way of communicating to the world and keeping everyone transparent um, with the pricing and uh, the contracts and <coughs> you know this this is huge and so I'm going to have a NFT project release in the near future that's not like the stupid ones I told you about in the beginning that were just to, to mint for fun I'm going to have stuff and they're going to have underlying value and they're going to be thought out um, and so when that happens I look forward to sharing that with you all and just want to thank you for hanging in here. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. Um, I apologize for the coughing, but you know, we'll we'll keep watching what happens in NFT space and we'll keep um, observing and I have high hopes. So thank you. Have a good happy holidays.